Welcome to Behind the Curtain, the show about life and how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of it. I'm your host, Kathy Barrett. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the program today. It's been great to be back. You know, I was on hiatus for, God, a couple of years co-writing a book called The Icon Hunter, which, by the way, is coming out on April 11th uh, by uh, Pegasus Books. You can find out more information about it by going to the you know website of the show, which is gobehindthecurtain.com. And uh, it's really the memoir of Tasula Hajitofi. Uh, just to let you know briefly, she is the founder of Walk of Truth, which is a non-governmental agency that engages the public about the importance of protecting and preserving cultural heritage. This is only one thing that Tasula and Walk of Truth does in the world. You really must go to gobehindthecurtain.com, check out the links of, uh, for her links rather, um, Tasula Hajitofi and then Walk of Truth. So you can see all of the different projects that they are engaged uh, in because they're doing fascinating work in the world. And order a copy of The Icon Hunter. The profits are going to Walk of Truth and So not only will you have a fantastic memoir because her story is very unique to the world and memorable, but um, it's uh, it's written like a memoir, but also part thriller because what happened in her life uh, was really this amazing kind of story that took place. And so it takes the reader along that journey so you can experience all of the things that she was experiencing as she lived them. So anyway, it's the Icon Hunter. You can go to Amazon.com right now and order it. Uh, go to the website. It'll be released on April 11th. Uh, and you can go to Barnes & Noble or any major retailer and get a copy there. Moving along to something else I want to tell you all about, which I saw recently on HBO, it's called Cries for Syria. The executive uh, producer is uh, a guy named David Dinnerstein, and I worked with him many years ago when I was working at Miramax Films. This project is just amazing. It is a must-see for all of us, especially here in America. Um, It's all shot, I believe, on people's cell phones, Syrians, you know, in the middle of the Civil War because of our technology and where we are in the world today with it. I mean, the the people of this country have been able to document what is happening in the moment, and they made this incredible documentary about it. So tune into HBO. Congratulations for them picking it up and for Dinnerstein to negotiate um, with HBO to put it on the air rather than go around the film festival route, which it probably would have done first, because I think that more people will be able to see it on HBO than maybe, you know, they would be in the theaters at this point. And as I mentioned, I think it's like all of our responsibility to pay attention to what's going on in the rest of the world and these people, what they are going through. It's just terrific. And we really need to do whatever we can to help them as, um, you know, they go back to rebuild in their country. So anyway, and it connects to the Icon Hunter because, you know, excuse me, the destruction of cultural heritage that has taken place in Syria um, is really, it's it's unprecedented. And, And if it wasn't destroyed, it was looted, and now it's going around the world market. And uh, people are buying it and uh, wealthy people collect it. And it's just, it has to be stopped. This is not right. And these proceeds um, 
you know, that are made from the sale of this looted property goes right back to fund terrorist organizations. So, uh, again, this is something that we have to work on in terms of the laws and have to change. And this is the work that Tasula Hajitofi does. So anyway, thank you for your listening and your uh, patience in this manner. And now we're going to go to our guest today. Um, Kari Williams is the author of a wonderful book called The Playbook, Creating the Life You Want. It's available on Amazon.com right now. And I will tell you that I love this book. I purchased a few copies uh, over the holidays and gave them out as gifts, and people really respond so favorably to it. So it's, um, and it also makes me happy, but we'll talk about that later because the cover is just so fabulous. It's it just, I look at it and, and I feel hope right away before I even open up the book and start reading, you know, the fabulous content. So um, let me tell you a little bit about Amkari. She is a speaker, a coach, a blogger, and an activist who began her career as an actor in New York. And this is where she first became connected to the power that story holds for each of us. And after years of acting, Amkari was drawn to go beyond the fictional stories. And she began working with politicians and entrepreneurs, helping them craft and refine the messages that they wanted to release into the world. She also spent several years in uh, in an ashram, going deeper within herself, learning how to survive in an ever-changing world with grace. She's currently living in Savannah, Georgia, and you can find out all the latest news about her and read her fabulous blog and uh, find out more information about the playbook, Creating the Life You Want, by going to amkariwilliams.com. Welcome to the program, Amkari. It's great to have you back with us again today. I'm Kari. Hi, Kathy. It's wonderful Hi. to be back. Great to have you. Um, first of all, congratulations on the playbook, Creating the Life You Want. It's it's a wonderful book. As I, I just said on the air um, a couple of minutes ago that uh, I gave it out as a gift uh, during Christmas time. People respond to it. And the cover is so gorgeous. I just look at the cover and it makes me happy. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful to hear. It really, I can say that because I didn't do the cover. Someone else did. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it makes me happy, too. It's just full of light and joy and love. And for me, that's the whole point of the playbook. Well, let's, uh, first of all, before we get to talking about the book, which, again, I want to mention you can purchase uh, right now on Amazon.com. Um, I think it's important for listeners to just hear a little bit more about your story than what I revealed. And what is it about sharing your story that in- inspires you to inspire other people? That's a really good question. I think what it is is that as time went on, you know, as you, as you mentioned, I started as an actor and I was doing other people's stories, the stories of these amazing characters. And that was really satisfying, but, there was a piece that was missing. And what I came to realize was that I wasn't able to get my own story out into the world. And that that is true for so many of us. We get one piece of our story out here or one piece of our story out there, but often it's not the piece that's most important to us. It's the piece that we feel is going to be 
most socially acceptable or that someone wants us to share. And I started thinking about how that limits our ability to be happy, that we're not actually expressing who we are. And from working with clients, I heard the same kind of thing from them in various ways. And I thought, you know, story underpins everything. We need to be able to get our true stories out into the world. So I started excavating mine more intentionally and helping other people do the same. That's really fascinating and a good way to begin, I believe. What, so what was your process? What's, how do you start? How do you say, okay, I really want to build um, a foundation, you know, for a new place to be? So how do you begin with something like that? Well, for me, I started with thinking about who was I as a little girl? So many of us, we, you know, we all start as these amazing open creatures. And then the world kind of closes us in. It says, we're not doing that right now. We're not doing this right now. And we get all these messages about the parts of ourselves that don't seem so acceptable. And we start to distance ourselves from those pieces. And to create a life that really feels like your own, I think you have to reintegrate those pieces. So I started thinking about the things I liked to do when I was a child and who I was until a teacher would say, oh, you're too blunt, or someone else would say, you should be a little quieter. Girls aren't quite so noisy. And all of those messages just started to stifle who I was, and I needed to go back and excavate that part of me and see what was underneath all those messages and where my own actual truth and joy live. That's a very courageous journey to take. (laughs) I'm still on that journey. I think it goes for the rest of our lives. Yes, I, I agree with you. But still, it takes, I think, a lot of courage to, because as she was saying, you were working with clients, you know, as we all, you know, do whatever our work is in the world. But then to take the focus away from the outside and put the focus on oneself, it is, you know, it does take courage to do that, because I don't know that human beings, you know, naturally, um, you know, carry that within them. I think it's something that we have to take action to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we're all about being right. We're all about um, how do we move the responsibility away from us and put it on other people? It's, it's, you know, as wounded, I, I don't know, this is my philosophy. I think that each of us is wounded in our own way. So with that open wound kind of there, you know, the, the, you know, I find that with my own experience and with, again, with people in the world that it's very easy to take the focus off ourselves and put it on other people. But when you put it on yourself, it's amazing um, what you discover. I couldn't agree more. I think that actually taking the focus off of ourselves in, uh, in the sense of not taking responsibility is mm-hmm. one of the most damaging things we can do because it takes all of our power away when, you know, when we, blame someone else for something that happened. We make ourselves powerless to change in the situation. And one of the things that living in the ashram taught me was to really go deeply inside 
and to just be still and listen and observe without all the judgment and without feeling like I needed to do something. And in this society that we live in, we're so outwardly focused and so in the motion, always in motion. Like, what should I be doing now? What should I be doing now? And that doesn't really leave a lot of time and space for contemplating who am I being now? Who do I want to be in the future? How are my actions that I'm taking right now going to impact what I want in the future? We don't do a lot of that kind of thinking. No, not at all. And our society is not based on that, you know, um, thinking that not way at all. in terms of, you know, not to just to take a side step, but, you know, if you look at, look at the media, I mean, the media is, it, it, it's just amazing how the media right now and just the election and, and uh, the presidency and everything that's going on politically in this country is, has, and I find myself doing this, getting so possessed and tied up into it that I'm pulling myself out of my own life, you know, and going on this roller coaster ride. And again, in doing that, not that we shouldn't pay attention to what's going on and be active and take responsibility for what's going on in our country as individuals. But in terms of, again, the focus is outside of ourselves instead of, right. you know, us being within and saying, okay, how am I feeling about this and what can I do about it? How can I take action that's going to be positive and reflect back, you know, on my life exactly. in that matter? I mean, so one of the things I would say, I'm sorry. Um, no, no. One ahead. of the things I would say is that I am, in addition to the things you mentioned, I absolutely identify myself as an activist. There are causes I am deeply dedicated to, and I will speak up on those causes at the drop of a hat. And there's a difference between activism and just sort of obsessing around something. And so I think that what we're sort of navigating since this election for those of us who were unhappy with the result is the difference between just wigging out about what we think is going wrong and actually taking action to address things that need addressing. And action, to my mind, is a much better position to be in than just constantly obsessing over every piece of news that comes down the pipe. And it's not, it's not easy because we are really conditioned, again, to pay attention to the things that are out there, those shiny objects that are out there, when what we really should be doing, in my opinion, is looking at how we can make an impact in the world in a way that really feels meaningful for us. Because then we literally are creating the life we want, whether it's the life of an activist or the life of a homemaker or the life of a dancer or whatever we choose to do. As long as it's intentional, we're in a much better position. It's when we're not thinking that we wind up living someone else's life and that's never going to feel good to us. Exactly. That's so beautifully said. And, and also, you know, as a, as a sidebar to that, if we are focused on creating the life that we want and, and finding the joy that, you know, can uh, be in our lives every day, you know, based on, you know, many, many different facets of, of, um, you know, family, friendships, work, passion, uh, being an activist, whatever whatever those things you know are for you as an individual, 
the thing is, the more we're concentrating on that, the more it's going to clear up out there in terms of the chaos that seems to be happening, not only in the country, in the world. And I think it's a good, um, I was reading in your bio where you made a a statement, and it's a good segue here. Almost every day, I'm quoting you, I would talk with people or overhear conversations about the most important struggles people were facing. What I came to realize was that sharing the details of our stories overcame other differences between us. Another major point with the election and everything that's going on in the country today, we are so divided here. So, but in terms of what you're speaking about with your clients, can you go a little deeper into that and share with us what you meant? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, and the election was a really perfect illustration of what I'm engaging in with my clients. I felt after the election like the only reason people were surprised was because they weren't really paying attention. That if we'd been paying attention, we would have noticed that while life was okay for many of us, it was deeply not okay for many of us. And if we could have had conversations between those two groups, I'm not saying the outcome would have been different, not at all, but at least we would have understood each other and we wouldn't be so, we wouldn't be demonizing one another in the way that I feel that we still are. I mean, you can't tell practically half of the country that their concerns are invalid. Their concerns are not invalid. How we address those concerns is a subject for discussion. But on either side, people have legitimate concerns and that we haven't figured out how to sit down and talk to one another and have conversations that do not become acrimonious is really detrimental to the fabric of American society. This is, we were built by men who sat down and hammered out their differences. The founding fathers did not agree on everything, but they came to consensus because their overarching goal was to create a country that could function and sustain itself and would be better than the country they had left. We've lost our ability to do that, and I deeply believe that we need to reconnect to our ability to hear stories from one another and honor those sto- the truth of those stories, even if we don't share those specific opinions, we mm-hmm. can realize that there's a place in us that understands that story. Someone's story of pain and suffering in the Midwest because they've lost their job may not be our story, but we can connect to a story of fear or deprivation in our own lives or in the lives of our family members. There are only but so many stories in the world. There are many, many different ways of telling those stories, but fear and love and dreams and pain, those are all universal stories. And if we can realize that, then we can talk to one another in a different way than we currently are. I think that is so brilliant what you just said. And then, uh, boy, I mean, how do we um, multiply you and send you out to these town hall meetings around the country right now to kind of bring that into reality because I just find that the country is getting even more diverse, diversive, you know, in terms of people are not coming together. It's just an every day is a battle, not only 
in the papers, but, you know, the president himself is kind of, kind of leading off the battle, you know, with some of these tweets and the, just the way in, in which um, maybe he himself is handling defeat. But um, as individuals, to listen to our counterparts, as you say, is, is the most important thing. And everyone can relate to not being able to feed their families, as you said, you know, losing your job or not being able to pay an insurance premium and, and having, uh, you know, a, a serious um, health crisis uh, that you're facing. So I just think it's very important that this philosophy that you have, not only in the playbook personally, but uh, is really important to this message is very important to get out and into the world for other people to pick up on and hopefully act on. So let's talk about the book, your, uh, the playbook, Creating the Life You Want. It can, again, be purchased by going to Amazon.com. And you can find out more information about Amkari by going to her website, AmkariWilliams.com. And I'll spell that for you. It's O-M-K-A-R-I-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.com. Amkari has a wonderful blog. She writes daily and just the best philosophy. And I urge you to go and and, uh, sign up and become you know, part of her audience as well. So tell us what um, prompted you to write this book in particular and um, what do you want people to take away? Absolutely. Um, I just want to correct one thing. I don't write my, I don't publish my blog daily. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Um, I, I write daily as, as you know, but I don't, but I generally publish a post maybe three or four, four times a month. So, um, but fired me to do the book was conversations with clients and they would say, you know, how do I maintain what we're working on in our coaching sessions when I'm on my own? And I thought, oh, that's a really good question. What's the best way to help people do that? So over the course of probably a year, a year and a half, I just, I created this book and the idea was to bring in a bunch of different ways of envisioning your life. So it's a very visual book. There's a lot of color in it. Um, The very lovely and talented Kate Freer did the illustrations for it. And she created these trees, which I call envisioning trees. And they are literally a visual way of look of mapping out your life. So there are prompts in the book. What, and there are different sections we talk about money and relationships and home and work and spirituality and contribution. Basically, all of the main areas of our lives are covered. And you can dive in at any point that you want. If your relationships are going along swimmingly, but you're struggling with money, so just go straight to money and play with that section and see what you find and what you unearth about your relationship to money, the stories you have, and how you can start to change those stories. So it really was something that I created to give people a bridge to use in between coaching sessions. And then once it came out, someone said to me, oh, this would be really, really helpful for people who are going through rebuilding their lives after some sort of trauma. So I thought, wow, that's a great idea. And I approached a couple of organizations here in Savannah. Um, 
we have a rape crisis center. I went there mm-hmm. and did a mini workshop for a group of rape survivors who were such astonishing women and so strong and just beautiful, beautiful people. And then I started taking it around to other organizations that help people who are just going through serious challenges in their lives. And I'm going to be doing a series of these workshops at a shelter, a women's shelter here. It's actually the largest women's shelter in Georgia. And, um, and just taking this there to help those women as they transition from abusive relationships into their, the next and better phase of their lives, helping them actually be able to have a very clear idea of what they want and how they're going to get to what they want. I love what you're doing, um, you know, not only with Thank your you. knowledge, but how you're sharing your time. And it, it must be really extraordinary working with these groups of women. As you said, they're quite courageous. And, and what do you find? Because I find any time... I'm being of service, uh, or I think I'm helping others, uh, it usually ends up being far greater help to me. <laughs> you know, it's really Absolutely. the gift to me. So talk about what that brings to your life. I mean, I, I leave and I am so grateful that I have not been given the lot to have to face those particular challenges. We all mm-hmm. have challenges, but these women are facing challenges that are so daunting often. And I, so I leave grateful that just by the grace of God, I am not in their situation and yet am able to help them in their situation. So I'm grateful to not be them and grateful to be able to help them. And I learn so much from them. I mean, I really, really do because it puts things in perspective. It's like when I think my life is hard, I go back and I went, mm, yeah, not so much. And that's a good thing because we all need a reality check from time to time. We'll all get stuck in something and think, poor me, poor me. And then you think about these women and, you know, no, no, poor me. I am so fortunate. And just their humor. I mean, these women are deeply funny. And I think that that is one of the great gifts of life is to be able to find the humor in truly, truly tragic situations so that, they don't beat us into the ground so that they, uh, we have the resources to keep taking the next step forward. So, you know, I, I leave and I'm just kind of blown away and grateful. Well, it's, it's also interesting that in they are getting out this story in a way it's a, it's purging it and it's making room to create this new life that they want to live in, as you, as you said, and you're leaving them tools for them to do it on their own as opposed to doing it for them. Do you know what I mean? It's like yes. you're, you're giving them. You can't them... do this work for anybody. We all have yeah. to do this work for ourselves. No one, I mean, if we're, if we're trying to do it for someone else, we're actually defeating the purpose because the purpose is exactly. to find your life. And that means you specifically. And you can include other people in that, but other people can't do it for you. And these women often do, by the way, just they will work on the, the, with the books together. They will sort of have little meetings together as a support team and just keep working through their, their, their workbooks. 
So I, I think that's extraordinary. And again, it's very important that when we are being of service <clears throat> to others, you know, what a gift it is, what, how you end up getting so much more back than what you're giving. But I love that you're, you know, taking your wisdom, your experience, uh, and, uh, you know, from challenges you've faced in your own life, you went on this search, on this journey, and now you're sharing that information with the world. And there's nothing greater than that. I'm having such a good time. I really, I Great. am. I love the people I'm meeting. I love speaking on this subject. And, you know, earlier you said something about, you know, how do we get more of you out there in the world talking about this? And that's actually my dream is to just go more out into the world and talk about this more. And then ultimately to create a group of, of, of people, a tribe of people who go out and, and do this, who say, here's what's important. We need to understand stories. We need to share stories. We need to respectfully hear other people's stories. And we need to understand our own story and to have people who literally will facilitate that. That's my dream. I feel like sharing our stories can literally <laughs> heal the world. I know it heals individuals. I agree with you 100%. And we will do what we can at Behind the Curtain to support your dream. I think it's fantastic. And so we will have you back on the program to talk more about this. I really love books that make me pause and reflect and take the time to explore my feelings. So um, I just want to leave the listeners that, excuse me, that uh, the playbook is something that you really need to go out and get. It's creating the life you want. And there's no time like today to do that. Go to Amazon.com. Uh, look up uh, Amkari and find out additional information about her by going to amkariwilliams.com. All of this will be on the Go Behind the Curtain website. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the program today, and I really appreciate that you shared your story and all of uh, your insights, and, and thank you for being with us, Amkari. Thank you so much, Kathy. So to all of you out there that tune into Behind the Curtain, thank you for your support. This show will would be nothing without your listening and pass our show link onto your mailing list and help me spread this information out into the world. Like us on Facebook, tweet about us. If there is a guest that you wish me to interview, please send me an email about it. It's been great spending this time with you. I'm sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I hope you'll tune in next week. Peace, everybody. 